All right, welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. I'm so excited to have a, a really good friend of mine and someone that I look up to and admire. His name's Brandon Bickmore. Thanks for being here. Absolutely, bro. I'm excited to <laughs> be here. I'm thrilled. Yeah. Thank you, man. Um, I had the great opportunity to be on your podcast a few months ago, and that was awesome. What a great experience, and you're doing a lot of great things in your life, and I'm excited for our listeners to get to know you a little better today. I do need to give a, a, a thanks to our sponsor, Veracity Networks. Thank you for believing in me. And then I also want to thank again the listeners. Um, you guys have been fantastic, and you guys have been sharing these podcasts with so many people. The feedback has been overwhelmingly positive, and we've helped a ton of people. And that's why I bring people in like Brandon, whose stories can inspire and help other people. And that's the end goal of this whole thing. And and so thanks for everybody supporting all this. And, you know, Brandon, um, Brandon's a family friend. Uh, he knows my dad really well, as a matter of fact. Uh, my dad can't talk enough about you. Every time I see you, hey, did you hear Brandon doing this and he's doing this? And I'm like, no, I haven't. But thanks for sharing this with me. And but he thinks the world of you. And yeah. and uh, you know, the time that I've been around you, you're just a good guy. You're a good soul. Yeah, and uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come share your story with us. No, I'm excited. I love you your know. dad. He's a he's a he's a good human being. I yeah. see him five days a week at the gym. <laughs> I know, you get to see and, him more uh, than I do. Yeah, I get to swap <laughs> stories. Uh, I have a little group every other week that he attends, and uh, right. we've really become close. He's a good man. I, yeah. I care a lot about him and your mom. Good no. people. Yeah. Love both of them. Well, they love you, and I know you've helped my mom a lot with a class that you do, and I want to get into that. And, you know, you have your own podcast, which we'll talk about later, but he's also doing these great things. He's helping people in recovery. He's helping people find their love for themselves and doing great things. And him and I speak the same language in so many ways. And so I'm just excited to kind of get, get into all that today. Yeah, He's you. also very good. Uh, he's very business savvy and entrepreneur. We'll get into some things that he's, that he's done, like owning his own business at 19, which is really cool. So why don't you give us a little background, Brandon, where you grew up and a little bit about your family. Yeah, so I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, just off 7200 South 13th East. Um, uh, my mom's Georgia, my dad's Jerry. Grew up in pretty LDS family, you know, they weren't real strict at all. It's just like, you want to go to church, go to church. If you don't, don't. I got four brothers. Uh, my mm -hmm. oldest brother's Tony. Uh, next brother's Barry. Next one's Curran. And then there was myself. And then I got a little brother, Chase, that came along. Um, when my mom and dad were 40, he was, uh, born and kind of unexpected, but, right. but, uh, it's, he's been just a treat for our whole family. So, nice. uh, but yeah, I got some amazing brothers. Um, they're That's all on their own journey. You know, my older brother, Tony's a recovered alcoholic. Okay. He's been sober for about uh, three or four years now. Oh, congratulations so a, to Tony. That's awesome. Yeah, he's got a really neat story. Um, moved to Nicaragua, uh, just moving back now he moved there to retire but was having some got married over there and is having mm -hmm. some some issues uh with his uh spouse and so he's just come back to salt lake here in the next week or two but great he's he's on a journey yeah it sounds you know? like it and uh yeah brother barry's successful business guy does well brother curran i haven't spoke with him much in the last 10 years um uh, but he's i think starting to come around uh, a little bit uh, he's kind of hasn't talked to a whole lot of family members in the last eight or ten years but now um, I ran into him two three months ago and it was a good conversation and I'm excited to hopefully rekindle that relationship rekindle that. Good. and then my little brother Chase is 
probably my best friend and and uh nice. an amazing listener and uh, uh he sells a stock trading platform program and he's probably the dude i hang out with the most on this planet and nice and uh but yeah really really neat family good parents really good parents yeah so i was fortunate yeah you know you know being around you and i you probably hear this a lot that uh you're you're very calming oh thanks and you 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 know you're very honestly like you feel calm around i feel calm around you and every time i've been around you just like you're soft-spoken but yet at the same time very powerful were you like that as a young kid? Were you, can you go back to maybe, you know, kind of how was it you growing up? Were you, <laughs> yeah. you know, I know you probably weren't so much like this now, but yeah. how, what was your you know, kind of characteristics always, back then? I mean, as a kid, I was, uh, I was, a. I mean, I'd say I've been like this pretty much my whole life. I've learned a lot in the last five years since I had that, uh, whatever you want to call it, midlife crisis, nervous breakdown. I've changed quite a bit, but I've always been a really mellow level headed. Right uh dude and uh i wouldn't say i've i've changed a ton as far as my my demeanor and my right. mannerisms you know but okay. um but yeah i've learned a lot i've learned to to calm down and i had to cuz i battled you know major anxiety and i've i've had to learn a lot of tools to stay balanced yeah well you know you you know i understand like when you were in high school you guys did a you guys moved your family uprooted yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was a very difficult time for you. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, my dad, when I was about 15 years old, uh, he was offered a job in Riverside, California, and uh, he decided to take it. And I wasn't excited about it. My mom wasn't excited about it. And then a little brother that was probably two years old at the time, Chase, and, uh, you know, he obviously didn't have a voice in the ordeal. But... Um, you know, we just kind of got uprooted from everything we knew. You know, all mm-hmm. my friends, yeah, family, neighbor, loved ones, everything I knew was in Salt Lake City, Utah. And uh, all of a sudden, 15 years old, you know, dad says, well, we're selling the house and we're moving. And my mom's like, well, I'm not sure about this. My mom and dad were struggling a little bit at the time. Okay. And so we ended up, you know, getting uprooted. And it was, uh, talk about trauma. Um, as I look back in the last three or four years, I've been dealing with a lot of trauma mm-hmm. back in the days. Um, yeah. That was a traumatic experience. For sure. I mean, I I remember getting on the airplane and all the kids came from from Hillcrest High School. I mean, I had tons of friends and, you know, I don't want to brag or anything, but I was a pretty popular kid, you know. Right, yeah. Ran around with some neat kids mm-hmm. and, um, you know, knew everybody. I mean, I grew up here and... I remember hopping on the plane and everybody's crying and I was crying. I cried all the way from Salt Lake to California. Really? I mean, I was devastated, but yeah. I didn't have a choice, right? I just left everything I knew. You had nothing you could do. Yeah. yeah and I had a, a girlfriend kid. at the time that I was just madly in love with and uh, who I'm still with today. But I mean, it, it was my whole life was uprooted and uh, it was it was difficult. I mean, I got there and... I didn't have any friends when I got there. Uh, thank goodness I made the basketball team there. Right. Met a couple kids, but the first two, three months I was there, I think we moved, I don't know if it was, I can't remember the month, but I just remember going to lunch every day. I didn't have a single friend at the high school. And there, your high school's outside, it's pods. And then oh, all the right, tables yeah. are just kind of scattered inside in a little park setting. So I walk over the tables and I'm like, I can't sit here, I don't know anybody. You know, right. I've never had to make new friends my whole life. Right, yeah. I'd go out the football field and sit under the bleachers and eat lunch alone. And I remember I would just f- 
it was the most terrible feeling. Lonely, right? Lonely, is, lonely feeling. I've never yeah. experienced anything like this in my whole life. So I'm out there eating alone, and they, you know, one of the teachers, staff comes by and says, hey, what are you doing out here? I says, well, I'm eating lunch. I says, well, you can't be on the football field during lunch. <laughs> where right. am I going to go? Right. <laughs> you know, where else can I go hide? I don't know anybody. Yeah. And uh, so I said, okay, and I'd walk over and, you know, go back towards the lunchroom and have a seat and sit down on the end of the bench and just sit there all alone and eat my lunch. And I couldn't, lunch couldn't get over soon enough, you know. I mean, I was ready to get this lunch over with and let's get to class because at least in class you're included, you're in a group. Right, yeah. So, but it was, I mean, I, I cried a lot. I slept a lot. I think that's when my major depression set in. It, it started back then. I remember sure. I'd go home from school and I'd just get in bed. And everything to do anywhere to go. If it wasn't basketball practice or basketball season, I did a lot of sleeping. Did your parents? I mean, obviously they're probably noticing this with you. Were they oh, yeah. trying to console you? Were they yeah, my to mom help? was struggling too, and uh, you know, but she didn't know what to do or say. You know, what do you do? You know, yeah. I mean, what do you do for your kids? And we were struggling financially too. My dad took this job. We bought a great big house over there, but. I mean, I remember even going to school then and, you know, I'd be like, hey, we're going to lunch and I didn't have any money. Sometimes mm-hmm. I wouldn't even eat lunch because I didn't have the money to eat. And when I met some kids on the team, and this one kid named Joe, I actually called him six months ago just to tell him thanks as I've thought back and sure, said, hey, buddy, yeah. I got to tell you thanks. He was the first kid I met that, that became a good friend of mine, but he'd buy me lunch sometimes, you know, and I just like, I got to tell you thanks. You really could took good care of me while I was there. You know, I you were a friend that was, you know, priceless as I look back on this right. event that took place. And, yeah. and boy, without you, I, you know, I don't know yeah, what it would have right? been, yeah, but for him for sure. to say, Hey, you know, I'll get your lunch today or whatever. And yeah. I don't even think my mom and dad knew I was going to school without money. Right. We just didn't have the money. My dad could pay the house payment, bring home a little food. If you didn't pack a little lunch or something, I mean, there's days it. I just would skip lunch because I didn't have wow. money to eat. So wow. pretty Pretty crazy experience, but uh, and then we moved home for six or eight months because my mom couldn't stand it and I couldn't stand it. And my mom says, "Well, we got to be a family," so we came home and then we went back, like eight months later, and had to do it all over again. Really? Yeah. So and you're probably thinking, "What are we what doing? What are we doing?" Yeah. yeah. So we l- went there at 15, came home at 16, at like 16 and a half. Let's say I went back, did it again for a year, and then finally my mom says, "I can't do this any longer. This isn't working." And I said, "Hallelujah." You're like, thank you. Can't get out of here. And I remember uh, I just had a conversation with somebody recently about this, but my dad went to work, and my he didn't know my mom was going to leave. Oh, really? Yeah, she packs up her car and packs up my little brother, which, you know, my little brother was my pride and joy. He was who I did hang out with. Right. He was three years old at <laughs> yeah, the time. But right, yeah. Man, he and I were tight. Um, but I remember my mom got in the car and said, let's go. And I said, Mom, I got six more basketball games can't leave the team hanging and she's like well i'm out of here you got to get in the car honey and i said mom i'm not going i, I won't leave my team that's yeah, one thing i won't do is leave yeah. my team i gotta finish here and yeah. she pulled out of the driveway and i was crying she was crying my little brother was three years old he didn't know what was going on yeah, four wow. years old but he was crying and remember i can see him pulling out of the driveway right now and i was just crushed wow my dad gets home that day and dude it was then I had to babysit my dad for six months. How am I supposed to take care of my dad? I was a mess myself. Right, yeah. So here's me and my dad, or not six months, but about six weeks. I didn't know what to say or do to him. And he'd come home and he'd cry. He'd go sit in my little brother's bedroom and just bawl. He'd just cry when he'd get home from work for two, three hours. And 
anyways so tough for the whole family at the time yeah Yeah. crazy experience so eventually does the whole family get back here to utah yeah my dad stayed in california and then he moved out of that house and he moved to victorville he stayed in california for five years probably or maybe even five six eight ten years and then finally he moved back to salt lake because i think he really missed his kids sure and family and grandkids and all that so eventually he did move back and so now everyone lives in so you come back and you're back now and what i found interesting and you know going through you know your bio and stuff is that at age 19 you bought a subway sandwich franchise yeah yeah so talk about that i mean that's that's a quite the thing to do at any age, but let alone at nineteen, being right out of high school, you know. Yeah, well, I got it. I was funny as you know, I was struggling with what to do after high school, and and uh, I was a straight A student till till this move started. I was a four student, I believe, my whole life until till then. my sophomore year, and those moves back and forth, I just lost all interest in education in school and my grades. C's and B's and D's and I was a straight A student really sharp kid very attentive but I just I kind of just lost yeah I think myself and 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 what was important and uh I uh decided to go to college I was going to community college for it was either one semester or two and I was getting A's there and my brother called Curran and said hey I'm in Reno and, uh, you know, he was running a Subway sandwich store that he'd bought there. He worked for my cousins in California, okay. like Chico, California. Mm-hmm. He was running two or three Subway sandwich franchises. Okay. Then he quit with them, went and bought one in Reno, Nevada. And then he called me and said, hey, there's one for selling Lake Tahoe in Truckee. Would you uh, be interested in going in partners on it? And I'm like, dude, I've never owned a business. <laughs> right. I don't know anything. He called me, and I think two weeks later, I was on an air driving down there in my car. I'm like, okay, I went and trained at his store in Reno. Okay. We went in partners 50-50 on it. Um, he trained me in his Reno store for about two months. And then I went down to Tahoe. We, the store was open. We bought it. It was existing. It was a rundown store, and we bought it. Um, I remember we got there the first day, grand opening for the new owners and all this, and my brother came down and helped out for half a day and said, all right, you know, I'll come down once a week and check on you, whatever. And <laughs> I don't think I ever saw him again. <laughs> you it's know? like, good luck. I mean, he See came down about once a month. How's <laughs> things going? I'm like, you know, they're great. And and thank goodness, you know, like I had to grind. I had to figure it out. You just figured it out on the, yeah. Kind yeah, of like, and he taught me a lot. But that those franchises are so neat because they've got everything just nailed down to a T. They got your cost of goods. Your labor cost should be here. Right. Your rent should be here and blah, blah, blah. Literally, and I tell everybody this, that experience created who I am today. Yeah. I could go run any business on this planet and control the costs and run it and run it well. Wow. Like like no problem at all. Yeah. As long as there was a decent amount of revenue and the mm-hmm. funds were coming in, uh, there's not a business on this planet that I wouldn't be afraid to go and run. But I don't want to work today because I've learned the hard way and I've semi-retired right. for the last three or four years. But right. that's how I learned I guess my entrepreneurial skills. And ever since then I've, you know, I've owned four or five businesses since. Yeah. And just been on my own little path and my own little journey. And it, it's, it's worked. Did you so. find as you're going through this, cause you, you know, obviously you had that difficult time with the moves and being away from your girlfriend and losing friends and feeling lonely and not having any lunch money. I mean, that, that weighs on, on you to the point where like you even said you were depressed, you felt anxious, you were suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, because someone that would open their own business at age nineteen, would tell me just looking from the outside, man, what a very confident person. So, I mean, how did you, yeah. how did you balance those, 
that struggle with going, you know what? Yeah, I will do this. Yeah. You Talk know, about that for a minute. What's interesting is, is Todd, <laughs> I've been like a, a thrill seeker my whole life. And uh, I didn't, back when I was a kid, I was never scared, if that makes sense. I was fearless. Hmm. And um, so for some reason, I didn't, I didn't think I even considered failing. Like when I look back and he called and said, you want to do this? I think I came home and I talked to my mom, <laughs> talked to my girlfriend and said, hey, my brother wants to do this. And they're both like, oh, okay. And that was it. And I think I called him back and said, I'll do it. Like there was really not any thought that went into it. It was just, you know, the thought showed up. I listened to it. Mm-hmm. thought about it overnight and I think I called the next day and said I'm in you know how much money <laughs> right. you know and my mom I think I had to get a $7,500 loan my mom went and got a signature loan that I signed on uh, for 7500 bucks because we had to put $15,000 right. down to buy the store oh, okay. that was just our down payment and Kern said if you come up with half the money I'll come up with half the money and I'm like well I don't have 7500 bucks I'm 19 years old right. so I just <laughs> called my I think I talked to my mom that night I said mom I got to get a loan and she says well I can get you a loan but you got to pay it. I didn't miss a single payment. Wow. I mean, I just nailed it. But 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 here again, I didn't I didn't consider failure to be honest with you. Wow. When That's I powerful. got sick four or five years ago, and I was sick, and we'll talk further about that. Yeah. I knew I was sick because I was scared. Wow. I was afraid of everything and anything that showed up yeah. in my day. That's how I knew I was sick. Yeah, and it's interesting because I definitely want to get into that contrast because here you are, fearless. Mm-hmm. I can do anything. Yeah. To you know, you go through this trial a yeah. few years ago, where now you're afraid of everything. It's, yeah. It seems like right. Absolutely. So I want to get to that for sure. Let me share one quick please, thing keep that's going. important. Yeah. So please, I remember when when I talked to my mom, and I think I talked to a couple of my older brothers, and I had a conversation, but uh, and I won't mention a name, but this lady that was a family member at the time, mm-hmm. she said to me, Brandon, there's no way you can go down there and rub that run that subway sandwich store and be successful really you know because i was 19 i was a punk kid (laughs) out running around she probably saw me you know was watching me for the last four or five years and she said that to me and that lit a fire that i can't tell you my only thought was watch me oh wow i'll prove you wrong really and sure enough i did and now when people tell me i can't do something that's probably the most exciting thing any human being could ever tell me. Mm. But I know as I, I deal that. with people like you do, and I sit with people and do one-on-ones, people tell them and beat them up and put those negative thoughts in their mind and they believe them. They For some it. reason, I didn't yeah. buy into it. Yeah. And it was my perception is like, you can't do that. And I'm like, watch me. Watch me. Yeah. And you better watch out. And I've had another person kind of say that since, and I proved them wrong too. So that's like, those are like, not fighting words, but they really fire me up yeah. because I want to prove to people that, you know, it's say whatever you want, but watch, watch yeah, what I do. Watch, watch me. Yeah. And I didn't say anything to her. I just, in my mind, I'm like, you watch. Thank yeah. you so much yeah. for letting me know that you believe that I can't do this. Cause I'm, and maybe somewhere within me, like you said, Todd, I think I did have a heck of a confidence from, yeah five years old to 35 years old. I mean, I'd, I'd try anything. Yeah. I, I didn't think of failure. It wasn't even in my vocabulary, but, but it wow. sure showed up in the last five years. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. So, Thanks for sharing that. Sure. That's, that's yeah. powerful. So it's all in what you put on the meaning of the words, right? Absolutely. You can either believe it or you can challenge it. You got yeah. two options. Yeah. Meaning, uh, is amazing how it affects 
us, yeah. good or bad, right? Sure. So thanks for sharing that. That was powerful. Well, obviously you've owned other businesses. You did a CrossFit. Uh, you opened up a CrossFit in Draper. Yeah. You know, again, that you know entrepreneurial spirit mm-hmm. you have about you and yeah. opening up your own businesses. Um, you you mentioned also that uh, you started drinking a lot between the ages of 21 and 26. Yeah, yeah I mean, I was, you know, I, I got home, sold that business, started another job, bought a little house, had roommates. You know, I had to have three or four roommates to make my house payment. Right. You know, the money that I took from the proceeds of selling that Subway, franchi- Subway sandwich franchise, I think we had it for 18 months and we sold it for twice what we paid for it. Oh, nice. So then I got a nice check and I put that check down on a house, just a down payment on a house. Okay. And then my other brother, Barry, co-signed for me to um, be able to buy a home. I think it was 120 grand at the time. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so I, you know, here I got a nice, pretty healthy house payment. And I, I had just a normal job at the time working at Gardner Village, um, being the warehouse manager. But... Um, I uh, um, I lost my track of thought. What was I saying? Um, you t- me? You were talking about the the franchise. You got the check. You bought the house. Yeah. And you were trying to, you know, you had to have roommates to make your. Oh yeah, I'd have roommates to to make, make my payment. payment. Oh, the drinking. Yeah. So I had yeah. to have roommates, three or four roommates, to help me afford my my mortgage. You know, because my I wasn't making a ton of money at, at the time. And so you know, what do you buddies do? We'd go out drinking on Wednesday night. Right. Friday'd roll it around. Well, what are you gonna do? Let's go to the bar. Oh, Saturday'd roll around. What are you gonna do? Let's go to the bar. So there was three nights a week where, from nine to one in the morning, I mean, we'd hit it hard, mm. and I mean really hard. And I even, as I look back, you know, I had a girlfriend the whole time, and I'm like, what are you doing? Well, I'm going with my buddies. We're going drinking, and I mean, I did a lot of drinking back in the day, and that probably right. went on from twenty-one to, I don't know, thirty. Right. I'd say a good solid 10 years of hard, mm-hmm. hardcore drinking. And uh, when I look back on it, I was like, there was a lot more drinking going on than I ever envisioned. And did I have a problem? I'd say no, but maybe as I look back on it, maybe I did. You know, so yeah, I did uh, a lot of drinking. We drink all day Saturday sometimes and go to the bar at night. And yeah. I don't know, it's just what we did. You know, you got three or four buddies in your house that drink. Yeah. And so, hey, what are we doing? Let's go get a case of beer. Yeah. Well, it's funny how you say, was it a problem? But it's like, that's, I mean, someone that drinks all day long, three days or four nights a week or yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's probably it's a problem. Probably a problem, but I, I didn't even, <laughs> you, at the but time. But at the time, yeah, you don't think it's that. It's just what right. I thought. It's just what we do. 25-year-olds did. <laughs> right. You know, you drink three nights a week. Right, Go yeah. to the bar and <laughs> hang out and laugh and have fun. Yeah. And boy, I could share some crazy experiences, but. Oh, I can imagine. But. Probably. Well, you know, you mentioned earlier, you you know, you, you, you love adrenaline, you you get, you know, you're a fearless kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this played a part into it, but you um, got caught up in an avalanche. Yeah. So I want to hear this story. I think, uh, <laughs> tell us how that happened and what led up to that. <laughs> so, yeah. So here again, you know, I picked up snowmobiling when I was probably 21 or 24 or something. My brother and I went and got snowmobiles and then, you know, we started snowmobiling for a good solid 10, 12 years. And when he and I bought a cabin uh, when I was probably, I don't know, 28 or 30 in Bear Lake. And the snowmobiling up, snowmobiling up there's incredible. So every year we'd get a new snowmobile. Well, then, uh, you know, I was in the construction business. I had a door and molding business for 18 years that I just sold three years ago. And uh, there's an architect um, named Blair Fredrickson. And he's like, why don't you and your brother, because my brother and I were both in the construction business, come snowmobiling with me up to Afton, Wyoming. You know, mm-hmm. we're avid snowmobilers. We're always looking to go somewhere yeah, else. Right. And he's like, 
amazing terrain. You guys won't believe it. You know, it's just insane. It's steep. There's always tons of snow. So we went, said, yeah, we'll go. And there was, I think, nine or ten of us that went. There was mm. a, we had a group of five and they had a group of five. And okay. we didn't know their group of five except for Blair. Okay. So then we headed off to Afton, Wyoming, drove from Bear Lake, because um, that's where we keep our snowmobiles. And on the way up there, we're driving to Bear Lake and you can see slides, just little drifts that are sliding. Right, yeah. S- like, s- you know, little mini, can't even think of the term right now, but you're like going, because it snowed that week, like, six or eight feet wow. and we're like oh man this is going to be amazing <laughs> right. so we're heading to afton and Damn. you see all these little teeny slides going up the canyon but they're only you know 20 30 feet little mini slides you know like little i don't even know what the word is like where the snow's just sloughing off right. little snow sloughs maybe better yeah. term so we get in there and uh, we we're going to stay the two nights in afton and i think we stayed the night got up in the morning headed out we go back in there about 10 miles there's so much snow, you can't believe it. I mean, it's just, it, I think this was in early 90s. I can't remember the year, but uh, we get back in there, and there's snow everywhere. And I went to an avalanche class literally the month before. Really? Maybe two months before. Yeah. And they said, whatever you do on big snow days, and especially snowmobiling, do not ride in ravines. A ravine is where there's a huge hill on yeah, both sides, and you're yeah. down in the bottom of the creek, basically. Yeah. So we're in there riding, you know, we ride all day and I think we set off a couple little slides on a couple big hills up in mm-hmm. the trees. That might've been the next day. This is song I don't remember, but anyways, we're heading back out. It's two o'clock. We're coming home and you've got to go through this ravine to get home. That was the only way to get back into the back country. So we're going up this ravine and my brother's in front of me and he goes up this hill and carves the hill on the right side of this ravine. Yeah. Oh, there was a guy in front of us that was stuck that was in the other group. Okay. He went up, or he got down in the river in the creek bottom, and he just sunk, and he was just stuck as could be. So my brother goes up the ravine, about 30, 40 feet up, and carves the hill and comes down and continues up. And then I think I was like the third or fourth guy. Well, I mm-hmm. see my brother's tracks, and I see the guy buried below me. I'm like, well, I'll just go up over my brother's tracks, turn around, and come back. So as I went up over his tracks to turn around, and I probably went up 80 feet up this probably uh-huh. two, 300 foot long hill, uh-huh. um, I set off the hill. Mm. And there's a guy buried at the bottom in the ravine. Oh, wow. So I set off an avalanche. And as what happened is, is the bottom of the hill slid. And then as I turned down and left and I didn't see anything, I literally... I didn't see a thing. Next thing I knew, I was buried underneath an avalanche. I remember snow hitting me. I spun, 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 and then boom, I was stuck. And I was buried underneath my snowmobile. Oh, wow. But I didn't know where I was at the time. And then there was a portion of my snowmobile sticking out of the snow. The handlebar was out like an inch. And then my helmet was yellow Uh because my brother said when he came down, he saw the snow was a little bit yellow, so I wasn't too deep. But I remember going, okay. They say you can't move or do anything. So I tried moving, tried to figure out what my arms and hands were. I, I, I thought I knew where my arms and legs were, but once they buried me out, I, 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 I remembered my muscles and bones moving in my skin, but that's all I could move. Really? So then my first thought was I'm laying there, I'm buried. Mm-hmm. I had a little teeny pocket underneath my sled. I kind of knew I was under my sled because I had a, a little breathing pocket. And I'm going, okay, there's 10 of us up here. Who's in the slide? 
Yeah. All 10 of us, we're all dead. We're in trouble. So yeah. I'm just sitting there, and all of a sudden, panic, sheer panic set in, and I started freaking out. I'm oh, like, starting to panic. Mine started right going. Now. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. Who's in it? Am I the only one? I know I buried the guy below me because I knew I was turning around. So yeah. I know he's buried. Right. I know I'm buried. And if we're, and I'm like, I can't move. I literally cannot move. I'll sit here and freeze to death. I could breathe, but I was starting to panic and kind of, you know, struggle breathing because I was tripping yeah. myself wow. out. So I'm sitting there under my sled and about a minute or two goes by and all of a sudden I hear a motorcycle or a snowmobile. I can hear the motor and I'm mm-hmm. like, thank God. Yeah. someone's not in the slide. Yeah. I can hear him. And so they're out. driving and I could hear a snowmobile driving over the top of me. It sounded like they were on top of me, oh, man. but they were just coming towards me. And it was my brother and one other guy. I can't remember if it was Mark who it was. And all of a sudden I hear my brother start yelling, Brandon, Brandon, are you in there? And I'm like, yes, get me the hell yeah. out of here. And I used a little bit more explicit sure. language than that. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, get me out of here, get me out of here. It's like, we're coming, we're coming. And they started digging, digging. It seemed like forever, but I'm sure it was only, I, I'd i guess I was buried for two minutes, maybe three minutes. It seemed like an Probably hour. It felt like 10 hours, yeah. <laughs> so Jeez. finally starts digging me out, you know, and I you know, don't have time to tell a story, but anyways, they dig me out, pull me out, and I stand up on the snow, and I'm delirious. I just start walking circles. I think I was in shock. Oh, yeah. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean, what am I doing? Like, we got to go and bury the other guy. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. I just lost my mind. (laughs) Right. So they're like, grab your beacon and, you know, grab your, you know, your beacon or your, 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 avalanche pole you know we had poles and right. beacons camera cow i can't think of my language but the great big probe, probe. we had probes okay. so there was 10 of us riding and nine of us had shovels and probes thank goodness because yeah. the guy that i buried that was below me he was buried 15 feet down in the ravine whoa like this guy was buried so is what happened too after we talked to him is i set this the bottom hill of the slide off and it he was looking up at it and it buried him to his chest because he was standing behind his sled and then he said the second part of the slide came and buried him 15 feet. So the hill came down in two separate slides, and it was massive. Man. Anyway, so we start digging, looking for this guy, and there was a three or four guys at the bottom that saw the slide happen. Well, they said, hey, so-and-so, and I can't remember, I can't remember the guy's name because he wasn't in our group. Right. But, like, he's right here. So they start digging. And we walk down, like, what are you guys doing? Like, we're digging well, did anybody probe him or anything? I'm like, no, but he's right here. Well, so we start probing. He was nowhere near where they were digging because the the elevation of the snow had changed so much because the creek filled up with snow. They were 40 feet. He was 40, 30, 40 feet from where we were digging. No way. So we started probing. Everybody started probing. And he was about 30 feet up the creek from where they thought he was. No way. And we're probing and, and we hit his snowmobile hood you can tell with the probe what you hit it was like plain as day okay there's a snowmobile he's got to be close so nine of us dug for we figured and we weren't timing it but about 15 minutes before we got to him pulled the snow off his head got to his neck took his helmet off and he was black and blue lips were purple and he wasn't breathing oh my god and i'm like i just freaking killed this dude he's dead and i didn't know him you know, that well, we met him the night before, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. His brother's there, okay? His brother never grabbed his shovel. His brother just sat there and watched. 
He he had like he was in shock. He he didn't even have the whereabouts or the energy yeah, or the thought to do anything. Yeah. So we're over there digging because we're digging, 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 digging. In 30 seconds, your arms are so exhausted from digging, you couldn't yeah. dig another hole. Yeah. So every 30 seconds, every minute, we're swapping out. And there's like two at a time switch, two at a time switch, two at a time switch. There wasn't 10 of us. This dude's dead for sure, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we're moving snow, moving snow, moving snow. Finally, we get down to his waist, and he's still not breathing. We move a little more, a little more, and we grab him and try to pull him out of the snow. Well, he's locked in there solid. Like sardines, right? Oh like, we gosh. don't know what we're doing. Right. Like, let's just pull him out. Dude, we couldn't budge him from the waist down. So we had to get the snow all the way to his feet before we could even move him. But anyway, as soon as we unburied the snow just past his waist, his entire snowsuit filled up with air. It was like somebody blasted a really 20 pounds of air in him. And he started breathing all on his own. So he didn't breathe for 15 minutes. You're kidding me. Mm-mm. Didn't take a breath. He couldn't. He was, it was packed so in compacted. there. Yeah, but you can't even. You couldn't suck yeah. in to do anything. And he he says he remembers when the snow hit him and he was buried and he stopped breathing. He goes, "I peed my pants and got really warm and I went to sleep." And that's all he remembers. So he literally just was gone. But they say, as we've researched it, that that you can survive off the oxygen in your blood for five to seven minutes. Mm. He and lasted for fifteen. 15. Wow. Tell it, me it, somebody wasn't Yeah, someone wasn't involved. watching over that. Oh my goodness. Why yeah. like as you're saying saying the story, <laughs> I'm over here going like I'm starting to panic. Because yeah. I can't imagine that feeling of feeling because mm. I heard I've heard stories where because you know, when you pack up snow, it's yeah. so it's dense oh, yeah. and it's heavy. Heavy. And I just pictured even you being buried, like yeah. how scary that would be. Yeah. And, and wow. the thing is, he's in a ravine, okay? So the snow slides down and then it just goes up 10, 15 foot over his head. I mean, that's the worst avalanche you could possibly be in. Because if you're an avalanche and it slides out to the bottom and it's only a foot or two feet at the bottom, you can sometimes swim out of those, right? Right. You're supposed to swim when you get an avalanche right. and you'll stay on top. Right. There's no swimming involved here. Yeah. I mean, he's 15 feet deep. Are you going to swim out of a 15-foot no. deep avalanche? No. Even I, everybody says, well, why didn't you swim? Why didn't you do this? I didn't know it was coming. It hit from me from behind. I didn't yeah. know there was a slide coming. We're ready for it. Like, why didn't you do something? I didn't even know it was coming. <laughs> it literally, it why hit you me. you swimming? Come on. I spun and was buried <laughs> in, in two seconds. Oh, my god. So, anyways, we got him out. Wow. Um, he survived. We took him to the hospital. He was basically unconscious. We threw him on a motorcycle. I took off, drove all the way into you know, 40 miles, whatever it was, called 911, said, get an ambulance here. And they're like, they started a fire to try to heat him up because he was, you know, hypothermia had set in. He was freezing cold. And anyways, got him on a sled, rode him out. He just laid on his brother's hood. He couldn't even hold the handlebars. He had nothing in him. Right. So he just laid there like a rag doll oh for whatever it was. Maybe it was 20 miles out of the canyon. I can't That's remember crazy. how far back it was. Get there, 911, take him to the hospital. And they just said, it's the luckiest dude we've ever met. Like, nobody survives being no buried one for survives 10, that. 15 minutes. And what a relief so. for you, though, because you're oh, probably thinking, dude. I caused this avalanche or, you know, and it really wasn't necessarily your fault, but uh, yeah. but I can see why your head would go there. Like, Well, oh. I set it off. So you're I probably mean, going, caused it. Yeah. I'm so glad, yeah. you know, that you didn't yeah. have to deal with, you know, trying to deal with someone passing yeah. away because deal of that. Deal with killing a human being when wow. all you do is up there trying to have a good time. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Nuts. That's a crazy story. Thank you for sharing that, man. Yeah. Well, let's crazy. jump ahead a little bit here. And I know you got a ton of stories and <laughs> your, your life's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> got about and five I more just like it. Do you want to hear them all? 
Um, you know, I want to get back to, let's go, I want to talk about how, I think you mentioned it was about five years ago when things changed for you, mm-hmm. you know, you know, kind of started struggling more with anxiety and stuff like that. Yeah. Let's talk about what happened, what the struggles was, and then what it's led to you doing what you're doing today. Yeah. So basically just a nutshell, um, I had a door and molding business, um, and, uh, about the last five years I owned it, it, it just started to become a real job. A lot of negativity, a lot yeah. of stress with employees, a lot of mm-hmm. uh, con- dealing with contractors. Have you ever been in the business? It's probably not the most exciting and rewarding mm-hmm. job to be in. The majority of them are pretty hard-nosed, pretty negative, pretty, a lot of them are unorganized. And then, yeah. you know, their unorganization gets dumped on you. You're like, hey, Brand, you know, I did custom homes only know big huge multi-million dollar homes and we do custom doors everything was custom like well hey i need that next week like i'm sorry mr contractor but i can't get that for four to six weeks well i don't care i want it next week well i can't get it you know those are coming out of california they got to be manufactured here locally there's a schedule here you know like why you know and i couldn't say well why didn't you order them six weeks ago right you just get them here in a week you know i mean i couldn't even have the whereabouts to say that because i mean i guess i could now like hey you know, if you plan a little more properly, we wouldn't be having this problem. But anyway, so then every week I get a phone call, where's my doors? Where's my doors? Uh, I was a perfectionist. I'm a people mm-hmm. pleaser. Right. Well, I'm disappointing everybody. So everyone's mad at you. Everyone's madder than hell at me because I'm not right. performing, but I am. I believed I had the best service in the industry and the best timing that could ever mm-hmm. possibly exist, but yet it still wasn't enough. It wasn't good enough. So I started taking a toll on my soul. I couldn't do it. I get out of bed in the morning in the last three years every single day dry heaving. Uh, the thought of going to work was sickening. Um, I, I, I considered suicide for probably three years. Wow. Um, and I just couldn't function. Like I, I, I had become fearful of driving my truck to work. That was scary. That was the scariest thing I could ever imagine. Because in your mind you're thinking, I'm going to be dealing with just these angry people that I, I'm doing my best, but it's obviously not working out Never the way it good needs enough. to. No. So you were even thinking of ending your life? Yeah, at those, at absolutely. That time? I was just, I didn't know what else to do. Right. Like I was so sick, so devastated. Um, wow. I remember I, I, I often say this. My kids said to me one day, Dad, you haven't smiled or laughed in two years. What's wrong? And I said, kids, I don't know, but Dad's sick. Something's wrong, you know? I hid it. Nobody knew. Mm-hmm. I'd go to work and I'd put on a happy face. My friends, family, nobody knew. A couple people knew that were really close to me. Mm-hmm. My mom was watching me. My little brother was watching me. Uh, my wife knew. My kids knew, actually. But there's probably five people on this planet that actually knew I was struggling majorly. Right. But anyways, it went on and on and on. And finally, the last year or so, I mean, literally, the suicide was like daily thought, like, there's no way out of this madness. Like, I don't know what to do. And, and I couldn't think clearly. I was confused. Uh, um, I didn't know where to go, what to do. I was, I was on medication, taking anti-anxiety medication, an- antidepressant medicine. None of it, w- it would help. And then it wouldn't. And I'm like, I'm better than that. You don't need medication. So I'd go on and off cold turkey probably for on and off for five or 10 years, Jeez. get sicker in hell and do whatever. And then the last time I started taking it, um, I became allergic to the medication and I broke out in hives. My oh, body wow. was covered in hives for like six months. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I can't take medication anymore. And if I don't have medication to calm my mind, I guess death's the answer. 
Wow. And so I just kept plugging away and plugging away. And I remember sitting out with my kids and say, I just said, kids, here's the deal. I am sick. Something's wrong. I don't know if I have brain cancer or what, because my brain was not working properly. I couldn't think of one positive thing, not one. Well, you mentioned so, earlier in, our, in this podcast that you um, you noticed when you started getting sick is because you started being scared. Fear. Fear. Yeah. Fear set in, brother. Fear set in. Like I've never seen in my whole life. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and so I just told my kids, you know, I, you know, dad's a fighter and I am. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'm a, right. I'm a, you know, I'll do whatever it takes to survive. You know, growing up playing sports, I mean, I was a good athlete, but I'll tell you what, I worked harder than anybody else on the planet. Mm-hmm. Kind of similar to your story, you know, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I worked hard. Yeah. I mean, at all the sports, basketball, football, baseball, I would grind every day. I'd be home in the backyard doing this, doing that or whatever. But I said, dad's a fighter. I don't give up and, and you know, I don't. I'm going to succeed. I'll, I'll beat this. But then in the back of my mind, I just kept considering death, you know, cause I thought that's the only way out. Yeah. You're hurting so bad. You're like, I just want yeah. the hurt to go away. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the only thing I could think was, you know, a, mm-hmm. a bullet's the only answer that I can find for about a good couple of years. And then wow. one day I met my brother and said, dude, I'm, I can't, I don't know if I can do this another day. I'm so, I am so devastated. I'm so down. I'm so depressed. Wow. I'm so anxious. And he said, call mom. And go try a worksheet. And that's why I told you I'm such a fan of Byron Katie. But called my mom and said, Mom, I'm sick. I need help. And she just said, thanks for showing up. I've been waiting for you to come knocking on my door for years. I've been watching you. And uh, But the key is, uh, as you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, when the student's ready, the teacher, you know, yeah, shows, shows up. up. And I was yeah. a, here was a hungry, starving, sick student that knocked on my mom's door and said, Let's go to the cabin for two days and whatever these help. worksheets you are, you do. I don't even know. I don't care, but it's it's either that or or the or the other. And and we went up there, and I'm not kidding you, Todd. And first worksheet I struggled with, but the second one, the light came on, and I saw a light at the end of the tunnel that that I didn't believe truly ever would I would see it the rest of my life. Right. The light came on. I realized I was causing a lot of my own pain, a lot of my own grief. My perception of reality was yeah. twisted. Yeah, and boy, when I saw the light, buddy, it it. I stood up and said, "Mom, why didn't you tell me this ten years ago?" And she <laughs> right. said, "You weren't ready." Wow. And yeah, like, she would have told you right. that, and you would have went, "Oh, that sounds I, good." I couldn't hear. But yeah. Yeah, just like, and I meet with people like you do, and some mm-hmm. are ready to listen, and some aren't. Yeah. And I wanted to shift, and and I'll tell you what, I I went from. Uh, I've made a shift like no other. That's why I'm sitting here talking to you. You know what I mean? My experience and your experience, you know, similar. Very similar. Similar yeah. experiences, you know, similar yeah. paths we're on, I've noticed. Sure, yeah. You know, I'm kind of following in your footsteps, it seems. Yeah, and, I, and I'm and i so glad you shared that because, you know, because of that experience with your mom and then having that kind of that inspirational, you know, aha moment for you, mm-hmm. that led you to not only helping yourself getting mm-hmm. out of that hole you were in yeah. and figuring out why you were there, Yep. You now use that to help other people. Yeah. And that's the beauty of uh, of a struggle mm-hmm. is that when we get through it, now we're in a position to now, you know, I call it, you know, there's a quote out there. I don't know how, I don't know how to say the exact quote, but it's called the wounded healer. And that's who you are now. Yeah. You yeah. know, in my eyes, I see you're, because of what you've been through, you're now helping other people heal. And you're yeah. like, some people want to hear it or are ready for it. Yeah. Others, not so much. Yeah. But we still share the message, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, and, and every time I sit with somebody, I'm sure you have similar experiences. It's like 
I know where you're at. I know exactly yeah. what you're going through, man. I've been there. And I've dealt with a lot. I mean, I was abused as a kid, you know, yeah. sexually and and uh, dealt with a lot of stuff in my life. And, man, I'll sit with somebody and they're like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I've been there. Let's yeah. talk. I've been there. Yeah. I've yet to sit with somebody that I haven't had a similar experience. Right. And luckily I went through all those experiences because now I can be here for another human being and be some solid yeah. You know, understanding, loving, listening human being, which is that's all we want here, right? Yeah, we love that. You just sit and listen and, and love us. Well, it goes with, I'm glad you said that too, uh, Brandon, because I think life happens for us. Mm-hmm. And if you look at everything you've been through, the abuse and just, you know, that lonely feeling when you had to move and feeling like mm-hmm. your whole world got turned upside down, which it did. Absolutely. And just all those struggles and everything you've mm-hmm. been through and then, you know, it's all happened for you because now you're in a position that someone's going to sit and listen to you yeah. and they're gonna, it's going to come as authentic yeah. versus you're reading from a manual. Yeah. You know, and that's what I said earlier. You have this very calming energy about you. Yeah. And I think that's a gift. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. No, it's, you know, anyone who knows you would, yeah, would you're, agree. Yeah, you're not the first one to tell me. <laughs> I hear that all the time and I don't even know that I'm like You're that, just like, I'm just being me. What's yeah, the deal? I'm, just, I'm just a chill <laughs> dude. You know what I mean? And I've always had been chill. Even though I was in total fear and dire need, I pretty stayed pretty chill and level-headed. But, but yeah, I was sick for sure. But yeah, I, I mean, it's... Like I say, I I know it was all for me and for my benefit because I needed to wake up. You know, I was going off the rails and you got to go through hell to get back on the rails. Yeah. And I experienced hell a few different times. No, thank you for sharing that. What do you do today, Brandon? Like what what does your day look like today that helps you kind of stay in that present moment and keeps you kind of centered? I mean, what what Mm -hmm. are some daily things that you do that kind of help you? you know, stay in that headspace again. Yeah. So for me, um, I, boy, I read a lot, buddy. I mean, mm-hmm. self-help stuff, self-help books, you know, all these gurus. And I don't really like saying gurus cause we're all equal on this planet. Right. We all have equal wisdom. It's just a matter of, we just got to learn how to tap into it. Yeah. And I like so, that. I mean, I, I follow Eckhart Tolle, you know, mm-hmm. Byron Katie, I'm a huge fan of, um, Deepak Chopra, um, Joe did, you know, what is it? Joe Dispenenza or whatever. He's a lot about the mind, but I've been reading a lot how to figure out the mind Mm -hmm. and how it works and how it operates. So that's where I spend the majority of my day because I don't really work anymore. But but what I do is, and I've got little reminders on my phone, and this will be wonderful for your listeners, is I I repeat this to myself probably 20 times a day because I still struggle with anxiety. I still get depressed. It still shows up, right? Yeah. Because that subconscious still packing a lot of trauma right and i'm still working through trauma i'm not done yet right this is a ongoing job for me sure is to continue to you know improve and better myself but i say to myself all the time other than what you're thinking and believing um are you okay Mm. you know and that's one of byron katie's main things and i'll sit back when i'm struggling or have a negative thought or that little demon shows up other than you're thinking and believing, you know, other than what you're thinking and believing, you're okay. Because our imagination creates everything. Right. Right? Your imagination yeah, creates a yeah. good day or a bad day. Yeah. So we're always imagining. We're always dreaming. You know, we got this projector that's always looking out at everywhere. And how's your projector doing? So I spend a lot of time cleaning the lens of my projector because I create my reality. I don't care what's going on. Something negative's going on. If I can look at it with a clean projector, it's, it's a positive event. But when my projector's a little dirty... 
and I'm not seeing clearly, yeah, I'll dive into the anxiety and depression, then I have to roll myself back. And then when I really get stuck, um, Byron Katie has these worksheets. I do at least a worksheet a week. A mm-hmm. um, couple months ago, I did one every day for about 15 or 20 days. But if I can do those regularly, right. I stay really sharp. Yeah. But if I don't continue to work, I start to lose myself. Yeah. And I don't know if that's for everybody, but but I'm really diligent experience. about yeah. working. But that's my real go-to is a, gotcha. she has these one belief at a time worksheets. You just write down your negative thought and then you question it. Gotcha. That's my go-to almost every right. day. Awesome. So, but I but well, I do a lot of a lot of work. Yeah, and on I'm, my mind. And I'm glad you said that. It's work. It takes work because, you know, with anything, if we want to improve, if we if we want to have a powerful belief system, if we want to learn to control the way we think or mm-hmm. not letting our thoughts control us, it takes work. Absolutely. And I love to hear you say that. Like you're putting in the effort and the mm-hmm. work, and that's mm-hmm. why I think you are where you're at. Yeah. You don't maybe notice it so much, but like when people around you. I, I feel safe around this dude. Yeah. I feel, you know, my dad yeah. says that all the time. He just really? feels safe around him. Huh. That's yeah. a gift. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, I appreciate that. Like I said, <laughs> I love a good your thing. dad. He's I know. one of my favorite well, friends. But he thinks the world of you, yeah. and I think the world of you, so. and I love what you're doing, and, and I love how you live your life, and I'm grateful that you, you're you know, willing to come take the time and share mm-hmm. a portion of your story with yeah. us. I know there's a lot more to it. Yeah. Um, if... You know, if someone listening to this is going through some similar things, they're still struggling with anxiety and depression, and mm-hmm. they find themselves just feeling a little hopeless, kind of like where you were at for almost 10 years, yeah. um, what advice could you give them? And then also maybe a challenge you could give our listeners that could maybe help them today. Yeah. So this is, I mean, my my thing is, here again, I'll, I'll mention this 100 times because it saved my life, truly, right. is, is that little simple worksheet. And that's what I do at my group, you know. I run this group for free that I do every other week. And it's usually from 6.30 to 9, and uh, people show up. And what I do is I have everybody fill out a worksheet. And you write down your stressful thought. And it could be about your partner. It could be about your kids. It could be about work. It could be about anything that's stressing you out today. Or maybe something that stressed you out 20 years ago. You know, for instance, like your mom. She wrote about something when she was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. She's been packing for 50 years. Yeah. And I said, just write down that stressful thought, and then we're going to walk through this little worksheet and question it. So all you do is question your belief system. Because, yeah. you know, as soon as you understand what actually took place, not what you thought took place, that negative belief falls away. Yeah. So that's what these worksheets do is, is okay. you go back and experience a negative. You know, you had this traumatic negative event, and you go back and look at it, and you slow it all down, and you look at it for actually what really took place. Hmm. There wasn't a problem. Like, let's take for me sitting in the avalanche. My mind went, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. There's 10 of us in here, whatever. I was fine in that avalanche. There was not a single problem except for what I was thinking and believing. Right. I was just sitting in the snow, relaxed in a recliner. It was a little chilly, (laughs) waiting for some people to come and find me. But if my mind didn't go off laying there, there was never a problem. I survived. It didn't hurt. Zero problems. So I have to go back and slow that all down and say, okay, what, what was really going on? You can do that with abuse. The divorce with the kid that's out of line, like, hey, I'm stressed when my kid's getting bad grades, whatever. You can question any negative story you've ever had in your whole life. Love that. And this worksheet will change it. And I want to share one more thing. Please. So huge. So yeah, please. When you go to Byron Katie, the, the work.com or whatever, um, you can find these worksheets. And it's, it's good to get a facilitator because you've got a really good experienced facilitator. They can just help dial you right in like a laser. And that's where your class is. And that's that's where do, you yeah. come in. I facilitate the you work. You do this class once a week and they can yeah. come in and you help facilitate yes. them through that 
worksheet. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. And it's free too. I do it for free Beautiful. at class. Wow. But then outside of class, uh, you know, I charge a fee. When like you do you like do. a one-on-one. Yes, gotcha. when I do one-on-ones. Gotcha. But anyways, um, uh, there's nothing on this planet that a worksheet cannot allow you to get through clearly and see mm-hmm. the benefit in it, basically. Yeah. I mean, literally, there's I've sat with so many people, and they're like, oh, no, it's not going to work on this one. It works. I don't care what you're going through, death. I sat with ladies that, mm-hmm. you know, four-year-old daughter died, ran into a tree, yeah. and she was driving the car. I walked her through that. I mean, there's there's nothing that it, that it can't help. Can't but help, yeah. one challenge that'll for your listeners that is okay. tremendous because it's usually other human beings that drive us crazy. <laughs> so I love right. this. But next time you get home, I'm gonna challenge you too, Todd. Go home and look at your wife, look at your kids. I want you to look at them like you've never met them in your whole life. You don't know any past about them whatsoever. You, it's like meeting them for the first time. And imagine what you'll see without a past. Because that's who you're seeing. The past doesn't exist, right? Neither does the future. There's only now. So if you can walk into any room, and maybe that's why I'm a laid-back, calm dude. Because when I walk in here, Todd, and I see you, I see nothing but God. I don't know you. I don't know what your experience is. I don't know what you're about. I don't know whatever. I know you wrote a book. Congratulations, by the way. (laughs) Todd's got a book out there that just went public on Amazon. You know, I hear the stuff from your dad, but I walk in and I meet you as if you were God. No stories, no past, no nothing. And that's all we are. And yes, we make mistakes in our life and and we have some faults, but you got to forgive those human beings of those things that you believe they've done were wrong. And you'll find out when you question what they did was wrong, you'll find out what they did was right, Mm. even if it was a negative thing. Wow. So that's what that's I amazing. challenge often people do is, is sh- you know, walk out this door, whoever you see, you know, like I had business deals go south all the time. I got to run into these guys at the movie theater, the grocery store, and I got to yeah. look at him. Okay. I don't know this guy. Never met him. You know, he had the same interest I did. We were trying to make money. It didn't work out. Okay. Yeah. But am I going to hate him for the rest of my life? Yeah. I'm going to hate these builders that were so unkind yeah. and yelling and screaming. No. So imagine meeting them without a story who they would be. That's the real human being. So that's what I want your listeners to do is next time you walk in a room, I don't care where you at, you look at the human being in front of you like you've never met him in your whole life. Give him a break. Okay. Because that's who they really are. The person that's in front of you. Right in front of you. Yeah. And that's all we have is now. Yeah. Dude, that is powerful. Drop the baggage. The baggage doesn't matter. It's gone. It's past. You can't change it. Yeah. So anyways, that's my big challenge for the day. Dang, dude. I love it. Man, I, yeah. I felt that, dude. It's a good one. Thank you so much. Of that is powerful. Yeah. I'm going to do that. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to put it to You'll the test. You'll be amazed what you see. Yeah, I, You'll I be amazed. Well, I already started imagining what yeah. that would feel like, and yeah, yeah it brought yeah. tears to my eyes. Yeah, thank yeah. you, man. Not the spouse that didn't make dinner. Or she said <laughs> this, or well, last week she told me, "Why aren't you home? What are you doing? Just go home and just boom, see them for who right. they are, and nothing yeah. else. Drop every single story they've ever." Said that's amazing experience with them and, and beautiful and then you're really seeing mm-hmm. the true human being which i believe we're all yeah. god well that's know? beautiful brandon thank so, you man that's so well said yeah. if if someone wanted to reach out to you how would they you know get to know you better what where, where's a good way they could reach out maybe ask you a question yeah and then tell us where they could find your podcast yeah so uh the podcast called the minds gym podcast it's available on all the outlets of okay. all the podcasts um, you can email email me at themindsgym at gmail.com. Okay. 
And then I have a, you know, Instagram's your turbo lover, just branded Bickmore. And then I just started an Instagram that's the Minds Gym podcast. But I post on those my free group sure. and all that stuff. So yeah. your turbo lover is my handle on Instagram, but I think it's under Brandon Bickmore too. But okay. I post on awesome. there and you can find me there and love for any of your people or whoever yeah. you just show up and just see the group. Absolutely. It's, it's spectacular. It's free. It's the most loving place you could show up on a Wednesday night. And wow. it's safe. I will it's tell safe. you it's safe. Oh, and you yeah. can just sit and listen. You don't have to say a word. Dang. So Thank you, Brandon. And welcome, there you brother. go, listeners. Please reach out to Brandon. Uh, check out his podcast. Check out, Go check out his class. Just like you said, man. It's And, you know, my, my parents have done his class. And I have hear a few other people that I know that have been through it. And they love it. And I know it's helped my parents in a lot of ways. And uh, Brandon, you're you're again you're you're good at what you do because of what you've been through, right? You wouldn't be able to do what you do had you not been through the hell you went through. 100%. So thank you for coming to share your yeah. story with us today. Yeah, and I'm grateful that I know you. Yeah, and uh, listeners, again, what another amazing podcast! I'm so blessed that I get to sit across and hear these amazing stories from amazing people. Please share this with everyone you know. And uh, thank you again for believing in me enough to, to listen to these things. And, and I just feel so blessed today. Yeah. And well, thanks for having me, Todd. And I really want to say I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. You know, when your dad told me you're starting a podcast, I was considering doing one right when you started one. And then I uh-huh. put it off, put it off, put it off. And then you started rocking and rolling. And your dad kept saying, you got to get a podcast. You got to get a podcast. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I know it's in, it, it's in the crock pot. <laughs> right. But everything takes time. There's time yeah. for everything. But what you're doing is amazing, buddy. And I'm, and I'm honored and for some reason, I think you and I might have some a future together. I agree. You know what I mean? We're, we're both on the same path. I agree. We're both interested in, in, in assisting other humans and changing lives. Not that we can do it. They're doing it. We're just sharing our we're just experience. Sharing. Yep. yep. Thank goodness we've been through what we've been through to sit here and have a beautiful conversation today. Yeah, that was amazing, dude. You're a good man. Thanks, man. I hear I nothing but good things <laughs> about you, bro. Well, I appreciate you sharing sharing that with me. It's a lot of time. the same with you. And I love all the listeners too. Thank you for the support. And uh, until next time.